It's Happy Hour again from Uptown New Orleans. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. Happy Hour is part of the family of shows on the podcast network. It's neworleans.com. When you walk into a bar in New Orleans and you pull up a bar stool, you never know who's going to be sitting on either side of you. What you do know is no matter what they look like, what they're wearing, whether they just got out of a limousine or just got out of jail, they're going to be happy to talk to you because that's New Orleans and this is Happy Hour, a cocktail-fueled 60 minutes of random conversation with folks who have nothing in common other than we're all New Orleanians in a bar Today we're at the fabulous Wayfair on Ferret Street, where they put fine dining into a sandwich. And that's absolutely correct, right, Andrew? I didn't fuck that up at all. I mean, you said it slower than you usually say. I tried to it's slow it down. It's feeling kind of unnatural lately. Because I'm not, you know, because we've changed the whole thing. Yeah. It's a different it's a different setup here, and they've changed. They have It's a, working. It seems to be working. The place is pretty busy, except there's no one in here right now except us. Well, yeah. That's why well, they have us that, right now. Yeah, yeah, that's why they let us come in here and take happy hour tables. Yeah. Anyway, they put fine dining into a sandwich and fine booze into a glass, and they have a three-hour happy hour here every day from 4 to 7, and an awesome brunch on the weekends. And I'm not making any of this bullshit up. It is actually true. The food is awesome The here. brunch is ridiculously the, good. It yeah. is really good. Mm. And, and the cheap uh, drinks are even cheaper than you think. The, cheap, the drinks are great, actually. They're good booze, and it's a good price. Mm. It's a great Okay, bar. so thanks for joining us. That was Happy Hour for another week. We'll be right... Oh, no, hang on. My guests sitting around the table here are numerous and fabulous. Across from me is a woman whose name is just Moon. Is that correct? That's correct. What, why do you end up with a one-word name? Uh, it was given to me by my parents. My grandfather's name was Moon, and so I... Your grandfather's name was... He just had one word, too, like Cher. Well, no, he had the last name, too, but it's like when someone calls you by your last name instead of your first name, I don't usually go by my first name. So your last name is Moon. It's my middle name. That's your so middle unclear. name? Ah, yeah. So I go by my I middle see. name. I go by my middle name as this well. Is, this is Philippe, yeah. whose middle name is uh, Philippe. Philippe. Right. And his last name is, I'm going to see if I can read it. Oh, go ahead. Beardo. That's right. How's that? From a band yeah, called Faux no, Filet. That's correct. In Lafayette, Louisiana. That is correct. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good, eh? Very I recognize you. Yeah. And what are you doing in New Orleans? I just moved here just because. How long ago? Uh, about six months ago. Now, what's going to happen to the band, which is one well, of the Well, we're still very Cajun busy. Lands. I'm just having to drive two hours, you know, most weekends to go play, you know? Why would you want to do that? Because New Orleans is the best city in the world and it's well you so don't close. hear many people from lafayette say that do you well <laughs> i, I love lafayette say, as well you, you know but being there my whole life it was time for something new and right fortunately you know new orleans is just right down the road mm. what's the diff between living there and here it's it's very different i mean um it's a lot bigger you know um, there are a lot of similarities i mean the people are kind of the same and that you know you're very everybody's pretty friendly you know you drive right. down the street and the, a stranger on the side of the road is going to wave to you same thing in Lafayette you know I mean the food is almost the same right. uh, the music's pretty different I mean Lafayette's a little more country you know it's definitely has a lot more kind of um, Acadian French um, influence you know people older people still speak French and right. the music's still in French and all that and people couple dance and when you go out to the show if you don't really make people dance at a show it's you don't do too well in, in Lafayette right know? well here would be different right Andrew 
Uh, well, it depends on where you're playing, I guess. Yeah, what that's, kind that's of music? the thing. That's yeah, true. Yeah. There's so many more venues here, though, too. I mean, mm. back home, it's pretty much just dance halls, you know? Really? Mm. There's no, like, what about those places like Atmosphere? Yeah, Atmosphere would be moons. the, uh, Blue Moon is definitely like a party kind of right. venue. Um, atmosphere, you can get away with a lot of different things there, you know? But for the You'd most part. You have to make people dance. I mean, that's what people want to do on the weekends, you know? It's, right. um, you know, during the week, music doesn't do too well because everybody's working and mm. it's just that's been well that's quite different from new orleans because nobody's working during the week here i yeah. can tell you that <laughs> for a fact sarah quintana yeah. joins us again hello welcome back hi nice I like nice to have you back thank you i wanted to compliment you on your new glasses oh uh, yeah thank you Frank's very much they're, they're really nice aren't they cute. yeah they're not exactly new actually but there's a strange story how i got these i didn't buy them somebody gave them to me believe it or not uh because I lost my glasses and someone gave me these to wear for a day while I, till I found my real glasses, which I never found. And now I have these stupid glasses. I like them. look like an old lady and bought them at Walmart. I like them. It's like purple, no. geometric. Yeah, it's cute. Mosaic. They're cute. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, people often mention them, but I think it's like, you know, when you have a really terrible haircut or, or you're really overweight and people feel like yeah. compelled to say something. But I actually really like them. Yeah, if you own okay. it, I think, yeah, yeah. Don't, yeah, don't turn them down. They're don't, really nice. Just, I'm into yeah. just go with it. Yeah. Tommy Waller is here as well. Tommy, what do you think of my glasses? I am. Well, you know, it's, it wouldn't be the ones that I would pick out, but that's just mostly <laughs> because, Thank I, you. because I don't Not need me glasses. Me neither. Yeah, just, you don't even need glasses. That's, that's why I wouldn't pick those out. Weren't you a U.S. Marine? So they, yeah, they, in fact, so you I, have just to have a, I just had an eyeball check just this past uh, weekend. Yeah, our physicals. And it was still 2020, thankfully. Wow, pretty yeah. good. So if well, you wear if you wear glasses enough. in the r- Marines, though, do they still have those thick brown ones that you rock, or and then those? Oh, they you definitely like? issue those for sure. Those yeah, are you know, but those them, are getting pretty hip. They I call think. them BCG glasses, so okay. birth control glasses. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Can you actually get free BCG glasses just by being a U.S. Marine having bad eyesight? That's right. Yeah. In fact, our tax dollars would pay for that. Yeah, yeah it would be an entitlement. As and one what happens say. when you have to shoot somebody or something? Well, so uh, your glasses get all fogged up. You know, in a in a on a serious note, thankfully nowadays. Oh, I was being. <laughs> there's a uh, now there's the ability to, to put prescription in uh, ballistic eyewear. So. Um, well, I think we're going to have to slow down there. Yeah, so. Put prescription in ballistic eyewear. Yeah, that's right. What is ballistic eyewear exactly? So it's just the stuff that protects your eyes. You know, from uh, from oh. shrapnel, from anything like oh, that. Oh, like so. bulletproof glasses. I wouldn't say bulletproof. Yeah, but um, you know, pretty close. Shrapnel proof. So it just depends on what bullet you're talking about. Yeah, right. Yeah, so. Okay. Yeah, so, so moon, Moon's shaking her head. She knows what I'm talking about. I you know. Kind of, just She's a little a, bit, I can imagine. She's an army wife, right? So. Yes. What, you're an army wife, did you say? I am. Hey, I you am guys haven't wife. wasted any time knowing no. a little no. bit about each other. No, that's right. Tommy, hey, tell me something about Moon's husband. Well, it's Veterans Day, right? It so, is. It uh, is Veterans so Day when recording this. Uh, yeah. We're just sharing Veterans Day uh, wishes. Um, her husband uh, is uh, has been a crew chief in the army, right on the Blackhawk. Yep, on the Blackhawks. So he's one of the guys who I would be uh, routinely very, very happy to see. Um, Why would generally be? Because he's you hear, handsome. Hey, well, you know that could also be the case. Mm-hmm. That is um, true. Which is probably I haven't seen him, but probably is that true. what attracted you to him first? Man? <laughs> just his, his looks. Was it his uniform? Yeah. Not but at the time. Not the uniform. Just the looks. Where were he's you? He's sensitive about it, but what? it's true. He's sensitive about his looks. Well, he's sensitive that I like him only for his looks. Because you're shallow like that. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. And where did you meet him? We met when we were like 16. Hmm. Pretty young. So, so. That, that was ages ago. Then. Ages ago. I'm 25 now. So, so that was nine years, 20, long time ago. Oh, only nine. So um, you've been together for that whole time? 
No, we started dating when I was about 19, and we've been together for about seven years now. That's a long time. So 19. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we got. I got married when I was 21. He was getting deployed, so we were like, "This would be a great idea. Let's get married before you get deployed." That is so a good idea. In case he gets killed, then you get the. Uh, That's exactly. Get the benefits. Dollars. Yeah, it's a hundred thousand. Two hundred thousand. Two hundred. If, even if you would have been married for five minutes before he took, takes off. I think so. I think a lot and of people And he's a crew chief on a Blackhawk, so there's a pretty good chance he could have got $200,000. There's a good chance, but I didn't. in the end it didn't work out, and he's home and alive and safe. So. I guess that's better. Yeah, it's better. It's good. And how long ago was he? Where was he exactly? Um, he was in Egypt for about a, for a year. He got home in January. In Egypt? What did he bring you back? Some really awesome perfume. like. Really? What's it called? Handmade oils. It's it was like a natural from a woman there, so it's in like a kind of Egyptian little vial, and it smells really really nice. It's from certain flowers there. It didn't have a label. So somebody made it like mm-hmm. on the street or something. I think so. Mm. That's a really good present. It was a really good present. It yeah. smells amazing. Yeah, I well, think you should always come home with a present. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And always have something right baking now. in the kitchen. Like, hey, you gotta <laughs> bring the presents home. Well, Sarah, you spend a lot of time overseas. You have I like do. a parallel life in France, where I you're. I do. I'm about to go back on Tuesday and do a do a nine show oh, tour. Be over there for three weeks in Paris, Marseille, Angers, wow. Toulon. Wow. It'll be fun. So you have a whole. Do you speak fluent French as well? Oui. So does Philippe. Philippe, you speak real French, not Cajun French, actual French. Um. Cajun French is French. well. I know. I mean, yeah. that's a terrible insult. I realize that, but yeah. it but isn't no, really. Yeah, but both. It's di- it's just different. It's older French, right. you know, That's kind of developed in Louisiana for the past two hundred and fifty years or three hundred years. So, do actual French people understand it exactly? Yeah, but I mean, I grew up in school learning French, so I I speak. I don't speak as well as she does. When I'm in France, they think I'm Romanian. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like she sounds Parisian. You know, when she speaks. Right. I have a pretty strange accent when I speak French. How often do you go to France? Do you go on tour? I, I was there earlier this um, earlier this summer. What we, do the French think of French Acadian music? Oh, they do love they think it. it's quaint they, and weird, or yeah, they, they do. I mean, they think it's kind of cute, but some people really enjoy it, you know. And they think it. They kind of look at it the way um, I don't know. Maybe like they also look at the blues or something like that. It's kind of their. F- their version right. of it's American like roots, roots yeah, music. this w- weird roots music, or kind of how people look at uh, Appalachian music. You know? Right. Same kind Has of thing. Has it been preserved, the, C- the Cajun music as we know it? Has it been preserved from a long, long time ago exactly the same, or has it evolved into our own? Oh, it's definitely Louisiana evolved. And it's, yeah, it's definitely uh, its own thing. But a lot of so- there are songs that do, you know, have roots in France and Canada and even Haiti. You know, I mean. Wow. What yeah. are the classic Cajun songs? Are they the ones we know, like Jolie Blonde? Yeah, Jolie Blonde, without a doubt. Are they know. the classic ones there, too, the same? No, I mean, it's not. The That's music what I mean, over is there. Do they know, they, are there French people who, like, know a Cajun song? Sure. Like, I mean, we there's, would all know. There, there's Cajun bands in France. There's Cajun bands in Germany and, and uh, right. most England. Of them, most of them are pretty bad, though. Yeah, they're not too good. <laughs> right. I mean, no, but they, are, no, they do have some good, some of the English guys are really, really good. Are they really? Yeah, and they have some guys in France okay. who are damn good musicians. Because we had a guy on the show last week. Wasn't Paul Spencer on the show last week? That he was. And he, ta- he has a, what's he, it's called the Maverick, the Maverick Festival, Festival, which is a, kind of an Americana uh, festival in Suffolk, England, and I actually told them about you guys, and I told them about Lost Body Rambles. I told them like to get a Cajun band on this thing would be a really cool thing because now you have Thanks. kind of a subset of Americana, you know that yeah. that he's not that would that would feel I would think 
uber authentic to these guys who are from England who like to wear like a cowboy shirt to the <laughs> festival, you know, and they keep it in their closet for this one festival, you know, and never ever wear it. But you know, I think they'd get a kick out of that, and you know, so yeah. But you know, those cowboys, Almost. those cowboys were English, weren't they? Moon? Actually, when you think about it, that uh, they say that the Cajuns were the first cowboys in America. The Cajuns were yeah. cowboys. Who says that? The Cajuns? Yeah, the Cajuns. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> but when you see John Wayne and those guys back in the day, whenever that was, when people were riding around on the prairie and so on, weren't those guys English? Didn't they come here from England? I mean, where else did they come from? Uh, Germany and well, even uh, funnier. Uh, yeah, I mean, John Wayne actually had a German accent. I heard that there were a lot of French fur trappers and traders traveling. Well, that would those be routes. that would be good too. But no one actually spoke like John Wayne and Clint Eastwood. Huh. Correct. Hmm. How come no one mentions that? Maybe now? not. Mm, okay, we'll just move right along. That's a really from good there. point. Yeah. It is a really Thank good you. Point. It is interesting, isn't it? Took it? I've me a second. Thought, I've always thought that that whatever years that was, what when they make those westerns, when was that? Supposed? Like when did the country 50s? twang come along? Yeah, when did that come? Where did that come from? Even that twang. Right. That John Wayne drawl and Clint Eastwood, that taciturn American, you know. Mm. America's pretty cowboy. young. Yeah. What I love about New Orleans is that it's older than America. Okay, who's calling you, Moon? This is Kenna Moore. She was actually on the show last Kenna week. Kenna was on our show. Was that last week? Should I answer it? Sure. See yeah. what she wants. What she's Let's see. Can't Reappearing she's on the show. In the middle of, <laughs> put it on speakerphone and put it up to the mic. So we can. Hey, Kenna. Hey, what's up? I'm at Wayfair. I'm on the radio, and so are you. No, I was going to say, I was calling to see me work. I was going to come link up with you because I know you're in the city. Well, I'll hey, call you when I'm done hey, at five. Everybody. You can say hey to everybody. <laughs> hey, why don't I just come over and have a drink with you? There you go. Awesome. That sounds great. Well, I'll be you can buy us all a drink, actually. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I'll see you in a bit. Okay, bye. That was very nice of you. <laughs> That's right. So you know Kenna from last week. I do. We're roommates. You're roommates? We are. Oh, it's nice. all coming together yep. now. That's interesting. Yeah, her and I just... Um, you and your husband and Ken are roommates? I don't live with my husband right now because he's in the military, so sometimes he travels a lot. What does it mean he's in the military, so you don't live with him? Well, when they get deployed to Tommy's places, in the military, he lives with his wife and he kids. He is, but he's not deployed. So sometimes when they get deployed to other countries, wives can't go if it's a danger zone. And he just got back from around where Benghazi is in Italy. In Libya. Egypt. He was in Egypt, but Benghazi's very close. in Libya, right? Isn't it? He was yes, very close to the border. Right across the border. There's yeah. a border between Egypt and Libya. I didn't even know that. They're adjoining countries. Can you yeah, go across so, the border? So what she's talking about is an unaccompanied tour. Yeah, and so there's a lot of sacrifice there between uh, the spouses. Sometimes when you talk about unaccompanied tours, you, you can't you can't take your family with you. You know, and so. Uh, so you get to live with Kenna. Yes. All right. That's not all bad, I suppose. Not at all. We made a feature-length film while we lived together, her, my sister, and myself. She told us about the film last mm-hmm. week. It's called She Was Famous or something like yes. that. Yes. Yeah, we just um, so entered what, it into some festivals. What was your role in the movie? Um, I helped her produce it, and I was the art director for the film. So anything visual, sites and locations and costumes and colors and moods and all that fun stuff. Well, how cool. All okay. So where, what's your husband's name? His name's Nathan. Nathan. So where is he tonight, today, right now? While He's in here? Mandeville, Louisiana. Mandeville, across okay. the lake. So when did he We're get from back there. from wherever the heck he was? Um, he got back in January. And then he was stationed in Georgia for a while. And then just moved back here like a week ago. He, he will 
He just finished his six-year contract, so he's actually officially out of the military now about a month ago. And how long since you saw him last? I mean, not today. I mean, before, <laughs> I mean, before he left. Well, how long was he away for? He was away for a year. My goodness. Yeah, wow. It's a long time. That is a long time. It's great today with technology. I think a lot about like military wives like way back when when they didn't have Skype or... Yeah, I mean, yeah. it wasn't even... I mean, Afghanistan uh, in the early days of the war, I mean, you just had letters and uh, the occasional maybe once a month you'd get to a sat phone, like a satellite phone, so... Which I thought we were spoiled just because we had that, you know. Is so. it better to be in touch or is it better to be like separated? It's a really good question. Uh, so, hard. I mean, for the... Um, yeah, it's tough, right? So for the yeah. mission, sometimes it's better to be separate. You can focus on the mission. Right. But there's an element there to where when you get to talk to your wife and you get to, you know, um, talk to your kids, you get to think about what you're fighting for. It just makes you that much more dedicated, you know, to stay alive and to, to accomplish a mission. So it's kind of a, it's a balance. Um, in, on my second tour uh, in Fallujah, we, uh, we had to figure out how many days can you push a man uh, before you need to give him just some reprieve. Uh, because it's all about tempo uh, in, in relation to the enemy. Um, you know, how, how hard can you push to keep the enemy off balance before you, your own men, uh, kind of reach that breaking point? And, uh, and we kind of, you know, went during steady state operations, it was about 13 days. You push a guy for about 13 days and you give him a day off and give him the opportunity to try to make a phone call if there, if there was that capability. And he just comes back recharged, you know, so... But if it's every day, you know, if you, if, if you had guys with access to information from back home on an hourly basis like we do here, then that, uh, that's not necessarily helpful. It detracts <laughs> from the focus, I would imagine. Absolutely. What's it like then, Moon, when you're, when you're the person who's here and you have to, I mean, it's nice to make that connection, but then you have to hang up. And oh, yeah. It's I would imagine it must be, might be easy just to not. It is, it is easier it's easier to not and then it's also harder to not it's such a catch-22 because you hang up and they're not there anymore and then you're kind of like piecing holding like a life together that doesn't exist and I've been I'm a painter so I express a lot of that like with painting I found like most of my paintings it's crazy when I'm making them I'm not really sure what they're about but when I put them back up on the wall and step back I'm like oh they're all like tragic love stories of like time space reality existing or not being present and if someone's with you in your mind and you're thinking of them like you can you know you feel when you're in love you feel that person's presence when they're with you and then even when they're across the globe sometimes you can feel something's wrong and so I think it's different for every couple and how they communicate but definitely a challenge it's it was a lot for me to realize like when you say like thank you for sacrificing for our country like it's not just the people whose lives that like Mm -hmm. actually got lost it's like a year of your marriage, a year of not being able to see your kids grow up. Like it's, t- it's quality time that's sacrificed in a lot of communication and kind of hard stuff that I think military couples go through that other couples can't really understand because you're... Do you feel like you change in the year while he's gone and he's changing the year? Yeah. While? Yes, and that, that's really difficult. It's like coming back together because you have to become such a strong person in your own individuality to get through, but then coming back together after and like re-meeting each other it's always makes you really nervous yeah. but it's pretty cool though i mean it's like getting to date your wife all over again yeah i mean that's kind of cool actually you know think about how many guys go through their life with their marriage or whatever and they don't get to date their wife again or they don't think about it you have, like you're forced to do that hmm is it really like that or are you just putting goes a lot faster are you putting goes, <laughs> goes a lot faster are you, you know, putting a positive spin on it or yeah. is that really true no, i mean it's actually saying? true like you, you know so because you have so much to catch up on 
you know. Um, now it's tough sometimes because you come back and, especially now, um, you know, I could imagine that back in World War II, the guys had, to, you know, they, they rode a ship home, right, and they stopped off on however many ports and blew off or whatever kind of steam and just got, you know, sort of acclimated back to American Syphilis. culture. Oh. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully not. But, uh, yeah, now you get on an airplane and, uh, you know, 24 hours later, you're in an American city when maybe before you were, you, you know, your life was at risk. So there is an element of kind of, you know, where it's easy to become distant from your spouse or from really anybody, even your family or anybody who just hasn't gone through that. Uh, but then at the same time, there is that, uh, you know, you have that love for your spouse. So it's just kind of neat to be able to catch up on what you missed for like the last six to 12 months. Do you ever think, you guys, that it's just a complete total waste of time and life and money? I mean, what are we actually I doing? I have over there? tattooed on my back, make love, not war. And I stand by that. It's on your back. That. Really? Yeah. Let's take a look at that. Okay. How so big radio. is it? It's pretty small. Okay. It's pretty small. Tommy can take a look at it. Okay. Yeah, well, you're just... You have it tattooed on. Why did you have it tattooed on your back? Uh, I got it. I got it whenever um, my husband had just left for Egypt, and I'm really don't like being involved in politics and stuff. But I really just don't like war. And as a military wife, like I just, as much as you like want to support, I just personally, for me, just wish it didn't even have to happen. So I would like personally not have to lose the love of my life. But then you think of all the other good things that are happening from it and the people that they're protecting and, and those types of things which well I don't think we have a clue about any of that frankly it, yeah very few yeah. and, and uh, you know I that's don't know what's going on do you, Tom, Andrew do you have a clue about what's going me? on me no. no Tommy had something to say uh, what do you mean? Yeah. it's well, hard it's to know what's going on but and even it's just the people coming back regardless of what's going on and whether it's right or wrong this fact is we're still having like our men come home that are really shaken up about mm. a lot of stuff and yeah, they but still for need what, care. For what reason is what I'm saying. Why would you why right. put Probably you through that one. and you through that? Right. Tell me, why put all your families and all these people through that? Thousands. Of, what are we actually achieving over there? So um, we're probably going to need to order another round, yeah. which, which, yeah, I will, okay. which, which I will cover. Um, <laughs> because what we're about to get into could, depending on how long you want to get into it, get very depressing. Um, oh, well, that's why we have alcohol. We got time. But, it, but it, it will be the truth. Well, we can so always have. Should we have a song goes. first? Why don't we do that? Okay, we'll get it. Why don't we do a little Sarah can play something. While for we play us. the song, I'll go get the round. Okay. Andrew, go get the drinks. Wait, you're not going to sing with me? Yeah. Is it the yeah, song yeah, that okay. I can sing on? I don't know. Well, Catherine can get. It. Catherine King is taking photos here, so we'll make her go. Let's do it. Because Graham, Graham, okay. our producer, is for some reason not here. She'll do the song. I'll grab the drinks. You're going to grab the drinks. Yeah, I'll be right back. Okay. That's good. Okay, so what's everybody having? I'll have a Guinness. Guinness? Are you on your second pint of Guinness? Just my I was having a green flash IPA, but any, any beer is fine. Nice. Yeah, I'll, I'll do okay. the same. Let's start. Two Guinnesses, green flash IPA. Um, I'll have a soda water with lime and bitters, please. Don't pay for anything. Okay. Don't pay for it. So we're going to go here, Andrew. Okay. okay I'm so not sure where here Sarah is. Sarah has a beautiful looking electric guitar. Can you hear here. my guitar? Not yet. Mm. We will once we move the mics around. So this song is to extend compassion to all the suffering victims of war, wives, military people, their children, and the, those of our so-called enemies as well. Mm. Amen. It's a folk song that Andrew and I used to sing together that I think I can remember.
It's all serial. Andrew Duhon and Sarah Quintana back together again. <laughs> Very nice. When did you guys used to play that together? Well, we got together to, to, to try to like play some songs, bounce some songs off each other, try to write some songs together. And, um, and we, we also a had a couple. Yeah, yeah. Good Old Fashioned Goodbye. Old Fashioned Goodbye was a beautiful song. I was thinking about that the other day. I, I don't know why. I think I had gone on a few times. It works great. Yeah, it's beautiful too. Did either of you record that? Uh, that's Sarah's tune. I'm not oh. sure. I haven't, no. Yeah, it's fairly, but it's fairly very fresh. cute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Lots of like lyric working, lyrics, song lyrics, and thinking about words and arrangements. Is it bitter so and lucky. depressing? No, it's really nice to get together with other songwriters and talk about the no, craft. I don't mean working yeah. with Andrew is it bitter and depressing. I mean, is the song. No, that I particular one? Yeah. No, Good Old Flashing Goodbye is about like Sweet. wanting to just die happy and have. Die happy. I think, a I great think it's an upbeat. Time. If I was to guess, Sarah might have been in a place of, uh, of, of leaving. Maybe, and this idea of like a good old-fashioned goodbye was like a clean her, break. Yeah, a clean break. Like, like uh-huh. let's not drag this out. But it was also kind of light-hearted and nice, and and like, yeah, this is gonna be tough, but in a, it's like a light-hearted, downhearted we song. Give it's kind of lovely. We should give him a line. Please, bartender, leave the bitters on the side. Won't you leave the bitters on the side? Yeah. All I want is whiskey. And a toast to the good times. I'll have a good old-fashioned goodbye. Something yeah. like that. Oh, that's pretty cute, actually. Wow, nice. I love yeah, okay. it. You need to record that. We will. And, and then, the, yeah. Tons now, now you reminded me, like the the send the, the sentiment, like the good old-fashioned goodbye. It's it's her song. It was her idea. But um, that idea, I love the good old-fashioned goodbye in, in terms of not only just the cocktail, the drink, but the idea that now with all this technology, we kind of forget how to lose touch even if that's what we want to do you know and that's what we're just talking about actually right Made don't need pretty flowers by my side mm-hmm. oh yeah gets heavy sometimes yeah hmm. andrew's just such a fantastic songwriter and i'm such a fan of his music sarah is 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 one of the most musical it's beings true. in this city that's true oh we're let's gonna play a show together sometime well, we're gonna make I'm andrew play a song in a little while i mean you can pl- you can sing along with that one sure 
I'll, I'll snap and hum. Mm-hmm. That was interesting because both of you, I mean, you managed to sing that song during that sort of, sort of weird syncopated crashing I'm noise. I'm used to playing with What the hell was sauces. that? <laughs> it, it, it almost sounded like, what's that syncopated called? Syncopated, like... What was actually going on during that? Was someone... Somebody was like banging on something. But it, yeah, it almost sounded like, yeah, cloudy or I something. I got into yeah. it. But well, it wasn't quite... It was great that you could keep um, going cocktail through. karma. <laughs> from playing on Frenchman Street too much. Right. So, Sarah, what do you bring back from France for people as a gift when you come back? Well, this last time I was kind of naughty and I just got gifts at the airport mm. and I got really nice olive oil and they okay. changed the customs in Chicago and they make you actually leave the airport and then go back in and this woman took my olive oil from oh, me because no. it was too big and I had to really practice loving kindness meditations because I was super bummed. It was like a 30-year-old well, wait, 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 wait. It was like, wait up. <laughs> Oh my goodness! And I bought it in the airport, That's so it was exactly what I was going to say. You bought it at the airport. Apparently, you have to get a sticker on it. Uh, but they didn't tell you that. They don't say where are you going. I'm going to the U.S. It was for you my mom, sticker. right? Uh, what airport? Were I was you like, at? and, and then, then the I was talking to her. I was like, can you please give it to your mom? Because I hate to throw it away. And she was like, I'm sorry, that's not our policy. That's exactly <laughs> what she did. She kept I hope it. she did. But that's crazy. If you're buying it at the airport, they normally tell you at the airport, well, if you're going to take this into the United States, you're going to need X, Y, Z. Well, I should be more thoughtful and buy my presents ahead of time and not at the airport. Well, well that still is a weird Because there's so many things. Like, you can buy mustard in France. You can buy all kinds of... You can mm-hmm. even take cheese on Dijon. the plane. Dijon. <laughs> if, if you're into cheese. Who's not? Cheese. I'm not. <laughs> oh. You, you I'm into cashew cheese. and almond cheese. What is Got that? It. Are you a vegan? I am. So you can't eat anything with milk, dairy, or any—I mean, any kind of dairy. Well, I could, but I don't. <laughs> well, you could, yes. It's not illegal, but you choose not to. Yeah, so for you have the to most make, part. So you have to make cheese yeah, out of really what? Don't. Out of almonds and. There's just so many fantastic recipes right now. I'm really into That's making my own coconut milk. You just get some coconut flakes and you put them in a blender, and then a little maple syrup and a pinch of salt, and it's like delicious and fresh in your coffee. So that's instead of milk. Yeah, basically, so I don't, like I don't preach, but come over and eat at the house, and you'll just like have a great okay, time. Okay, what's your address? Okay, I'll <laughs> tell you after <laughs> this show. You know, okay. Vegan song, vegan song house concert series. You know where <gasps> you introduce people to your songs and your cuisine. Well, I don't, I don't have to preach. Like, well, it's, it's coming around. I think the World Health Organization just put out something about well, meat is carcinogenic now. You're not allowed to eat meat. Because it's going to give you cancer. And also, cows are really awesome. But it's not and really about preaching, right? It's about sharing. You know, you found this thing that you believe in, and you know, just share it as well as your music. It's like a double thing. Maybe. It's sensitive. People are really attached to what they are comfortable. Like for me, it took me a long yeah. time to let go of eating Cajun food because my family's Cajun, and every once in a while, I would like, for example, theoretically eat catfish on Christmas Eve that my dad caught. Theoretically. Like. And I love oysters and. There's just like a lot of good things that oysters do for our economy and ecosystems in the Gulf. Mm. I believe in incremental change. Uh-huh. Even if you decide to, you know, eat one meal a day vegan and then go home and eat your regular stuff, like that's awesome. Check Yay. out this. We might just need to talk about oysters. Tommy for a Waller I is do the love oysters. In, Tommy Waller is the inventor of the oyster bed. Stop. Which you're looking at right what, here. Wait, yeah. wait, what is that? So, well, te- technically, it's a barbecue yeah, my, my brother is really the guy with the ideas. Oh, um, cool. But that's actually how Grant and I met. We um, we were doing a, a radio show about the oyster bed, mm-hmm. 
And it's, uh, it's funny that you mentioned the ecological benefits of oysters. You're absolutely right. They're the lungs of the ocean, and when they harvest um, Louisiana oysters, they don't dredge, so they don't destroy other ecosystems, and they're non-sentient, so they don't feel pain in the same way that a fish does. So oysters don't feel pain? They may, just as a plant may, but the point is to try to do like cause less suffering, not more. What causes pain? Is it, uh, is it, central is it a brain? System. It's a central nervous system. So if you don't have a central nervous system, you don't have any pain. So does an oyster have a brain or a central nervous system? They're that non-sentient, non-sentient, but we don't know. I mean, we mean? have we have growing. evidence that plants can feel pain. We have evidence. Mm. Well, for example, when cows really? eat grass, they produce a chemical. They produce a type of arsenic, and they go into shock. And it's like what all does? of the grass tells the other grass, hey, we're getting eaten. It's time to freak out. So, like, plants... Definitely have What's responses. grass going to do? It's well, not going to run away. Wait a minute, but but is it as a, is it would that be evidence of the grass feeling pain or evidence that grass is evolutionarily adapted to survive and that's it? You know, just a defense mechanism. Well, they're probably related, Certainly. and I think it's up to you to decide. Like, do I do less harm by eating a plant-based diet, or oh yeah, well that's easy. Not. But I, but I, yeah, but I'm just thinking the grass just in the grass sense. But we could imagine that the world has a soul and that things like plants totally feel and that and animals are like part of what make us alive mm-hmm. too and that mm-hmm. we need each other well you know what, what is if you don't eat plants what do you eat well my dad is a hunter and likes to kind of mess with me about this so he started an organization called plants have rights too <laughs> and the acronym is fart <laughs> <laughs> and he's definitely like i think if you have certain sicknesses page? you have to eat meat i don't think it's about doing anything that's not for the best of your health you know, if it's in the best interest of your health to eat meat because you have, like, had a surgery and stuff, like, eat meat. Just eat less. Mm. I agree. And eat it thoughtfully. Thoughtfully is the key. Mindfulness. And you can, if you can't eat plants, can you drink beer? Or, like, what does that mean? Because mm. beer's well, beer, is beer is a plant, too. Yeah, so we this need is, to this eat This is all plants. mighty new. It's all new to me. Because, <laughs> like, in the Marine Corps, it's usually, like, you refer to a guy as, like, a meat eater. Like, that dude's a meat eater. What you does know, that like mean? Is like, that a like he's hardcore? That's you good. Know, like yeah. he's a good dude, yeah. right? Like so, so it's good. Yeah. You're educating me a little bit. Of, I think we have a commonality on oysters. It's going to take and a while. Stop there. It's going to take a while for me to not want to be a meat eater. Well, it's mm-hmm. like the you know imagination. I, mean? I like, for example, my dad's cousin is really into hunting, and when he gets excited talking about chasing a deer and killing it, like part of me is sad, like Bambi, but part of me is really happy that he's happy about something. Right, imagine. And I think you can keep the value system associated. a lot of you could be happy about than killing innocent deer, isn't it? I mean, that's well, really we, well, I okay. think you can Unless keep the value system without the suffering. For example, tofu. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay, but wait. Uh, so, you go, go ahead, Tommy. No, all, well, all I was going to say is I think that, uh, you know, we, what you were imagining of him being happy chasing that deer mm-hmm. or something in a man that that gets uh, excitement about that, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we're in a spot with you know civilization today where we uh, we have the luxury we don't even have to do that. Where before it was, I mean, right. you had to do that to survive, mm-hmm. right? And some of that residual is still there in some of us men, where we want to keep doing that, even though we don't need to to survive. Uh, so you well, know, I think women have it too. Like Young talks about the anima and the animus. I think we're also just getting beyond gender roles with that. We all have like those fight instincts. Mm-hmm. That's why we're all passionate lovers. Mm. No, not all of it's us. It's just about yeah, using yeah. that energy in the appropriate setting. Instead of harming, give pleasure to your lady. Mm. <laughs> There's no disagreement. Nice. What, okay. what is, what is yeah, who, who said okay? 
What I did. Okay. I, I'm trying to remember what I was going to say before yeah, Tommy. Oh, right. No, no worries. Uh, so here's the thought. I think sometimes maybe there's like elements, there's variables at play that we forget about, such as, you know, the invasive species of the wild boar in the south, you know. These are things that are ruining a lot of ecological elements. So what do we do about that? To me, the solution has a lot to do with pain. You know, it, it, you have to kill a lot of animals. Uh do you, they, do you have a, a better idea? I definitely idea? do, because my dad's a hunter, and the way that they all describe the annual reports of the wildlife and fisheries is that to maintain populations and so that we can have a healthy balance, yeah. certain species need to be hunted off. Mm. But that I feel like that's really unrelated to like the 80,000 veal cows Absolutely. that are polluting yeah. our rivers Absolutely. and streams. And totally I don't agree. even have to use global warming to say just like check out the water quality here of the yeah. Mississippi River, the yeah. dead zone, and how that relates to agriculture. Yeah. I read an article, a really interesting article about a, uh, a chef in New York who is uh, using a – or, or implementing a menu based exclusively on invasive species so it's like come in wow. eat some lionfish come that's in eat some wild boars so idea. cool it's really interesting yeah. yeah that's a great idea oh, so i read awesome. something too awesome. about like the meat industry to sustain all these cows that we have that are growing and eating we need so much plants and mm -hmm. really if we would stop feeding all the plants to the cows and start feeding the plants to the yeah. other people we'd be able to solve world yeah. hunger so i think that's kind of the goal with meat is if everyone just ate less of it there would be less of all these cows that needed. You know what? Years and years ago when I met Sarah, I couldn't have thought for a second about like a day without a piece of meat. And these days, I don't know what turned me to the idea, but eventually, you know, I tried, you know, a thing or two or, you know what it was? It was the challenge of cooking something without meat. <laughs> and I like to cook. And then I realized when you look at a menu and there's all these things like cheeseburger and chicken sandwich and then a veggie option like a veggie for burger if they made the veggie burger or a vegetarian option i know that they think the same thing that i'm thinking when i'm trying to cook it it's like oh this is a challenge how do i make this delicious and oftentimes it's the most delicious thing on the menu because they had to try they didn't just think like meat grill well, done if the choices you know? were cheeseburger and veggie burger yeah it might be well yeah exactly well i'm yeah, simplifying things oh, okay. why would but you choose anything but the best true it and, and, and like i never would have thought that now I kind of enjoy the challenge of cooking it and I also enjoy the the opportunity of eating it because I do like as you hear I have different ideas on on I, I like a lot of the things that you're saying but as you say incremental so I'm incrementally coming your way uh, Sarah but I think uh, I love a good piece of meat sometimes but I also love the feeling that I have when I cook like a lentil Indian dish and I have it and I'm just like I'm like couldn't be more satiated and like happy with this dish is and that because you went to India did you know how to cook that no I just looked up the recipe but but I, I did use some spices that I got in India which are probably uh -huh. way better than anything I could have gotten here so yeah okay hey listen tell me we're gonna get onto the whole depression we have a drink. yeah yeah that's oh, yeah, drink so you can depress that's why us. we have drinks but you know what we have to do first of all um, we have to do these uh, messages so let's grab a guitar for a second do you, do you want Sarah's guitar? No, no, oh. Sarah should play something. Oh, Sarah, can you play something behind uh, while I read these messages out? And then are you going to play something, Andrew? I could. Okay. Or Sarah so can play another one. All right, up to you guys. Or you can play one together. Our show is brought to us today by Petite Pet Care. If you're going out of town or you have a crazy schedule, the folks at Petite Pet Care will take care of your pet in his or her own home. For loving care when you're not there, you can go to petitepetcare.com and get hooked up. 
Also, thanks to Basics, Swim and Gym, a full range of fashion, swimsuits, workout, and yoga clothes with style. You can find Basics Swim and Gym on Magazine Street near Jefferson Avenue. Thank you, too, to Hangover Destroyer, the only all-natural product medically proven to prevent or ameliorate a hangover. All you have to do is go to the Hangover Destroyer website. It's hdestroyer.com and write the words happy hour in the coupon code and you get 30% off of Hangover Destroyer and you too can seize the dawn. Nice, look at this fancy finger. Keep going, i got one more to go. Thank you too to unlistednola.com, the revolutionary new way to buy a house in New Orleans. If you know what you're looking for, you can find your perfect match before it comes on the market. It's the match.com of real estate. It's unlistednola.com and the music in the background provided by the very talented Sarah Quintana. Or in French, Sarah Quintana. Nice. What was that piece of music? You just made that up? It's just a little turnaround. That's nice. Very Them nice. Them jazzy chords is yeah. pretty. Mm. Very groovy. Do like Okay, that. so how did you learn to play guitar? Did you teach yourself? I, um, I did at the beginning because I was very shy. And mm-hmm. I loved the guitar. And I would go to Plantation Coffee House and watch Davey Mooney play solo guitar when I was like 13. I had a huge crush on him. On and who? he's now married to a beautiful Brazilian woman and has a baby. What's and his name? He, and we do sets together. Davey Mooney. Davey Mooney. He's just a fantastic guitar player. He's like one of the quintessential New Orleans modern guitar players, but he doesn't really fit that mold, mold very well because he's so New Orleans and he's also a songwriter and just an innovator in so many ways. So he's kind of doing his own thing. Um, but basically, I studied... Um, privately and then I started singing in bands and just always pulling players on the side and being like hey can you teach me how to improvise over how'd this how'd you go from being here? shy to singing in bands it's pretty funny I wanted to pay for a yoga teacher training and I needed some money so money will make you do crazy things so you became a yoga teacher as well I did and you paid for that by singing in a band I did how and wacky. then I just liked uh, now you're a singer music yeah well you music still teach yoga cool. though right I don't I teach voice and I use a lot of yoga when I teach voice Hmm. What sort of yoga moves go with, what, to change your throat muscles or? Oh, it's to so loosen infinite. Up? Breath work. It's breath. Oh, my God. I don't even know how to get it. I, I recently got say. yoga certified, too. Uh, That's congratulations. You're Whoa. Moon, you're a yoga teacher as well? I, well, I just got certified so a couple months ago. Did you say in Hawaii? I did. I nice. W- I went to the big island of Hawaii to this retreat center. It's beautiful. Well, what does that entail, getting certified? Um, well, I did an intense session, so it's like five weeks straight every day. You wake up in the morning and you meditate, and then you do yoga and learn about yoga and the human body and the emotional body and all your chakras and subtle body, body energies. Learn about that every day for five weeks straight. But other times, you can just kind of take a weekend course for about a six or seven or eight month right. time period. But I like to, you what, know, I'm what like kind of yoga are you teaching? Um, what I learned certainly. was therapeutic yoga, so it was like yoga therapy where you you know learn all these different breath works and stretches and stuff that are going to heal your body and from, it, from it is actually a lot about eat about eating healthy well yoga it comes from the east so it's a it's very different than western culture healing yoga is very like mind body soul all in one right. what what can you heal us from though? um Say, i think like disease Perhaps I would say that your body knows how to heal itself and that if you got in tune with it and in touch with it, I think anyone really? would be able to heal. You throw the drugs like away. Absolutely. Absolutely. Pharmaceutical drugs are not beneficial at all. And okay. I, I can speak for that. Like I've been on antidepressants. My sister has like experienced a lot of stuff with different pharmaceutical drugs because of, because of mental illnesses. 
that I think in the West we label that a lot. And if you studied Eastern medicine with it and went to a different shaman, they would teach you a lot of different stuff about what might be going on. Personally, I believe someone with a lot of mental illnesses is just a really spiritually in touch being that's having a hard time in the current human condition. Mm. And of course they would be because the current human condition right now isn't well. So a lot of, I think artists are really sensitive beings that are kind of recreating and doing things to try to bring healing to the world. And we know things aren't right and we are doing our best to fix it. But a lot of times it manifests itself in what can be labeled as mental illness. So someone who's mentally ill is just more sensitive to what's going on. I believe more that, affected yes. by it. I believe Philippe that. does not agree with that. No, Philippe. I, not. I actually had, you know, you said keep the phones on. I just had a friend call me who's in a mental institute right now, and he's schizophrenic. And due to also taking a lot of hallucinogenic drugs when he was younger, it kind mm. of amplified his schizophrenia and um, tried to murder some people and yeah, it was very very intense i talked to him often though he's a childhood friend of mine and he's he's better now because of taking certain drugs and having proper care now um well, but i think i think some i think what she's saying it, it, there is some truth to that i think like depression and something like depression is very much a real thing but i think sometimes you just have to change your lifestyle Absolutely. Right, yeah. and, and more what I'm saying is pharmaceutical drugs, it's going to cover like the symptom of what's going on. And a lot of times some people can be a danger to themselves and society, but the root of the situation might be a spiritual aspect. And I'm a spiritual person, so I look at things from that root and then manifest, have that manifest itself physically in our bodies and in our minds. Yeah, I think I think there is some truth but like manic depression and schizophrenia right. is very it's a different you know, order from taking any yeah, depressions I don't anxiety. think I don't think um, they're all they're all different yeah. I think I think I, I wouldn't say like being healthy and doing yoga would definitely help those people but it won't cure their Milton illness ah, excuse me so there's diff- di- so what you said Moon that you took antidepressants because you had anxiety or whatever it was um, I got to, I actually got diagnosed with PTSD and bipolar and depression, um, but the I same, think that it was on the same day. Um, different different times. I don't really like claim those things. It was really all in reaction to my husband's deployment. Right. So it was still it, for me. It was an environment. I think maybe an environmental thing. That's a pretty high price to pay yeah. for your husband going. I off. mean, it is, and I think that leads us back into what we were talking yeah. about yeah. earlier. Right. With back to depression, which mm-hmm. is what. Tommy. Tommy's going to depress us completely, <laughs> which is why we will have another round of drinks, yeah, which yeah. we're quickly getting through. No, so I, what I, order should to, we uh, do? No, I, was, I would have to agree, though, on uh, you know the treatment of uh, of humans with pharmaceuticals and all this. Um, these companies that are there to make money more than they are to, to help people. There's a lot to be yeah. said for like naturopathic and homeopathic medicine. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, 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 you know, absolutely. That's, uh, I mean, my family, that's all we do. I mean, uh, and, and we know so many people who've been healed you even, don't even from significant mental illness. Mm-hmm. You know? From taking homeopathic medication. That's right. So you don't, you don't believe in oh. Well, look, big, I mean, there, there's probably, drugs. look, if, if um, believe me, if, if, I, uh, if I suffered a significant casualty and was brought to the emergency room, I'm going to absolutely embrace the care that 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 institution provides me right but when providing a choice for a sickness or an illness or whatever my first default is going to be what's natural that god created okay right? so there's an interesting sort of paradox or or uh 
whatever the word, what is the word that I'm looking for? Paradox, Di- that on, d- dichotomy, that on the one hand that you say that you're a yeah. super conservative type person who will only consider eating meat and wouldn't consider being a vegan or it's craziness. No, I wouldn't say I wouldn't consider no, but you, I just, but on the I other like hand, being known as a meat But on the other hand, you, <laughs> yeah. but on the other hand, you, just tell people you, you have a, meat, your, alter, your first, <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Your default position is alternative yeah. medicine. Oh yeah. Well, I think well, meat, meat is natural too. Yeah. So, Absolutely. yeah, I mean, like the, my my perspective on the meat piece would be that uh, you know Genesis chapter one, where where Lord said, you know, this is the earth and you'll govern it. And well, we're already you know, in a worldview that's so. Cartesian, where animals and plants don't have soul. If Genesis is our reference for everything. So. Sorry. Yeah, that's a big <laughs> word. You're, t- you're talking to a marine. Like, I'm not well, sure what Cartesian means. What I'm saying is that um, there's yeah. a system of thought that we're subject to that comes from the Middle Ages that says we have dominion over the earth, and it's really linked to these Christian ideas that okay. plants and animals aren't beings with souls, that we're the only ones that have souls. Okay. So, um, and the problem with, like, plants and animals not having souls... I guess it's about respecting them, and yeah. I definitely. You mean it's easier to kill something if you don't believe it has a soul or feelings? Yeah, yeah. certainly. I mean, it yeah, like I, that's that's I think the question is about slavery. Humans. Like, how did we enslave people, and how are we enslaving yeah. so many other beings? So yeah, I mean, and it, all of these things can bring us back to um, the original question that Grant had, which is why, like, what, what. Why are guys deploying? Why are we, why are we having to? Uh, why are we defending ourselves? Why don't we ourselves? just that's, all that's what I wanted to hear from? Right. Why do so it's um, the unfortunate thing is that I think very few in uh, in not only our nation but the Western Western civilization, if you will. And when I say Western, I mean uh, those that would embrace democracy and what the founders provided in the way of life here in America. Very few understand exactly what it is that we're fighting. And, uh, and, and I can tell you that because in my job, it's what I study, my other job. What, what is your other job? With the Center for Security Policy. And so, you know, kind of like what Andrew mentioned before, I mean, so he, he absolutely appreciated the spice that he got, that you got from India, mm. right? Sure. That's, uh, that's an illustration of what, uh, you know, just, thou- you know, hundreds, hundreds of years ago, there were people in Europe who wanted to go to India to get the same spices. Mm. And let's just rewind the clock a little bit. If we talk about the, the, the conflict that we're in right now, so Moon, Moon's husband just got back from uh, a place that was not far from Libya, right, from uh, Tripoli, in fact, where Marines landed a couple hundred years ago. It's in our Marine Corps hymn that we played this weekend uh, during the birthday ball. Yesterday was the 240th birthday of the Marine Corps. You look back, you rewind the clock, and, and you think, so, you know, why were Marines fighting in, in North Africa at that time? Rewind the clock even more. Since the year 622, people in Europe and North Africa were in conflict, okay, um, against what we consider now the global jihad movement, jihadists. And that movement... 622. 622, the year that... I thought Muhammad only wrote the Quran in like 650 AD or something. He migrated to Medina. It's called the Hijra, the Great Migration, in the year 622. And that's where jihad began. And, to, and, and that's a whole long... We don't have enough time to study and talk about that entire scenario. But from that moment to, to today, there's been violence against those that don't believe. And what happened is that that conquest took 
all of your all of North Africa and much of Europe to the year 732, the Battle of Tours, where Charles Martel turned the tide and began to fight south. The Spanish, they struggled for 781 years until 1491 with the Treaty of Granada to finally expel the Islamic Empire. And so it, you think about, like, why did Christopher Columbus sail west? Like, we're taught in our school books because, you know, well, he thought the earth was round. He wanted to find a shorter route to the Indies to get the spice that Andrew talked about, right? No, it, he didn't have a choice. The Mediterranean was still governed by people doing violence to anyone else. And so the big picture here is that, unfortunately, our nation and policymakers, very few of them actually understand what's at conflict with us. Okay. I'm waiting for you to and explain so, it. So what is the conclusion to all this? You're saying that there's a there's going back hundreds and hundreds of years, there's a That's right. It goes there's back an Islamic <coughs> jihad goes jihad back to six twenty two. Against right. the world. Against it goes back to six twenty two. To six twenty two. Before there even was Islam to, in my to, to Medina. Right. And so there's a, there's a profound lack of wow. understanding from our policymakers of what we're up against. So what we do is we sort of put Band-Aids on, on, the, on this problem. And it, it's, yeah, but where, it's does this, where does this theory of yours come from? Well, it comes from history. It comes from... No, but where did you get it from? Did you just I learned figure it. this out? I learned well, it in my who job. Who taught you this? But this is a pretty radical... This it is, is pretty, right? Because I feel so. like we had the golden era of Islam where mathematics and geometry and art were right. flourishing and all of this. A lot of yeah, you those read. contributions are celebrated. You should absolutely read about that and find out it was dimnitude. Dimnitude is the status it's of... what? It's, it's the status of a non-believer under the Sharia or Islamic law. And so just... But do your own research. That's why I say, like, do your yeah. own research on, on those things known in the, as the golden ages, you know? Well, what do you think about Wikipedia or, like, the general things that are available do you think that they're misinformed so wikipedia is something that with the with the time and the resources can absolutely be made to read a certain way and this is sounding like like a conspiracy theory you're saying so that and and that's a conspiracy theory of everyone who contributes to wikipedia not at all a wiki not at all no No. what i'm saying is that if you wanted to make a wikipedia page read a certain way you could have lots of people contribute certain things Oh, right. you can totally slant Wikipedia. Right. I mean, I think there's a sort of a... Right. Isn't there a disclaimer so, on Wikipedia? So I wouldn't... Well, I yeah, feel like I wouldn't, the ultimate question was, why is there war on the globe yeah. generally well, really, well, really far back? Well, why are we going... Well, my question was, why are we as a nation sending right. your husband and you to, mm-hmm. to war in far-off places for the benefit of which is yeah. difficult to... Right. Okay. To at, and, here, and this is what I bring it all back to. At the end of the day, what what we should be um, willing to sacrifice for is is this document. This is a copy of the Constitution that was given to me by the mother of one of my Marines. You know, her only child who passed away on on my third deployment. You know what she told me? She said, "Tommy, she said, don't ever forget what it was that he died for, what it was that he was fighting for." Now. We can put everything else aside. What, what it should be is it should be in defense of a way of life that was created based on Well, hang on. This can, I, can I interrupt you? There's a difference between fighting for something and fighting against something. Mm. Fighting for the Constitution, which you're holding in your hand, is, is one thing. That's something you're fighting for, something you believe in. Right. You're fighting against people who allegedly believe something, too, equally right. as passionately you could, Yeah, you can you put believe. that on the other side. There's sure. another man standing against right. you. Holding a mini Koran. Right. right. Yeah. So, 
and and that's but is he any different really to you i mean is someone sitting at a table in in egypt or something saying the same thing about the quran that very, you're saying about very the, likely yeah very likely that, is that what's the difference between his feeling and your feeling and why do we have to fight each other about that why can't we just go okay would, you do whatever the hell you want and it I'll would be nice I'm. yeah it would be nice if we wouldn't have to if we wouldn't have but to what's your supposition is going back to 622 there's been some sort of subversive attempt Right. People who are yeah, no. You, what you have Islamic to do is to, to, yeah, no, you to just fuck have the rest to, of us up somehow. Well, you have what you have to do is you have to study the life of Muhammad. Yeah, yeah, but I'm asking you this: is that what you're saying? So in there's 622, been, there's been a lifelong, yeah, so hundreds and hundreds of years. Right. So, so what happened is the first the first 12 years of his life in Mecca, you know, th- more, more than 300 different religions in Mecca at the time, all pagan, and so he preached for 12 years in Mecca, gained about 10 followers a year. And at that 12th year, his uncle, his protector, he was an orphan, unfortunately. He died. He lost his protection. He moved in what's called the Hijra, the Great Migration, to Medina. And in Medina, there were, there were Jewish tribes that challenged his teachings. And it, we don't, I don't know how much time we have here to go through what those teachings are. But what he did is he said he called it's for... It's going to change our life. We can stick around for another five minutes. Uh, we can. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's significant to understand that story and to understand that once that migration in Medina went, that he started to call for the killing of non-believers, for violence against non-believers. And from that point forward, you've had violence against non-believers. Now, of course, you know, people will say, well, so, so does every religion, right? But anyone, let's say a Christian, for example, who did violence on behalf of his religion, he wouldn't be living... Say the Crusades, for example. Right? Wouldn't be living in, according to the example of the founder of that faith, right? And so that's kind of the key difference, right? So that's kind so of what- So what you're saying okay. is the reason why we're over there is because there's a lot of violence being done to the people and citizens of that place. And as United States, we're there to kind of protect the- That's part of perhaps it. Perhaps women and but children. But there was, and there was, there was, also, that, there was always also violence done to us. I mean, y'all obviously remember September 11th, but you know, that's the, you know, Thomas Jefferson went over to Northern, Northern Africa, where we talked about before, um, to understand why it was that what we call the Barbary pirates, why were they attacking our shipping lines? You know, and, and you'll hear sometimes, well, Thomas Jefferson had a Quran, right? Um, well, so, so surely then he must have been Muslim. No, he had a Quran because he went and he asked, well, why is it that these pirates keep attacking us? Mm-hmm. This is what our book tells us to. And so it's just it's important for us to kind of study that, you know, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that we need to um, study it from a position of hate we need to study it from a position of love of love of what we stand for the peace that we want to have but just to understand it right i think i think uh i think there's some valuable things there um and and i will i will take it from uh, a place that's probably further along your line than i probably exist on my you know my opinion exists on but my thought is uh you know to me, it sounds like you're saying the book itself has flaws in terms of the code of ethics and morality that humankind should be adhering to. And uh, sure, other books have had their flaws, but this book in particular is teaching people the wrong thing. But I would say one of my favorite quotes I've ever heard is, beware the man of one book. And I think any man of one book is dangerous. And uh, I couldn't agree more with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at... To, and on that point, you do the research and you look at how many books are translated uh, into Arabic in the Islamic world. Hmm. 
compared to those books translated to other languages right. in so other countries. Can, so it feels it's like an you unbelievable know, you, amount. You, the, that line starts to like demonize this entire side of the planet. And I wonder, no, there's no, got to no. be a better way to, to like go about this. You no, know? I, th- I think what it, what it boils down to is just to try to understand the root of that violence. Well, but suppose well, I think the Buddha you know. said life is suffering and like the root of violence is our nature. It's not like one group of people or one ideology. And mm. I also think this is a huge population of people. And even though ISIS are and all these things are like a real threat and even peace organizations are calling for military action because yeah. like that's a last it's resort. Really but unfortunately that's, it's serious. Yeah. I think even in that scenario, it's still a pretty small population of Islamic world believers and a lot of those people are great people like living in the south of france marseille north africans algerians tunisians like friends in ethiopia just great people great interpreters that interpreters that gave their lives for us that were just unbelievably awesome people what is the solution to this then given that this is suppose that we buy into your idea and we agree with you Mm -hmm. say for the for argument's sake that this has been going on for four or five, whatever, how, how many, what is it, how many, a thousand, two thousand years now? Since 622. Since 622, yeah. that there's a, been a, an, a, a conspiracy or a, an organized train of thought based on the Quran to do away with everybody else who's not Islam, okay? Yeah. Okay, suppose that's really true, which I don't know whether that is or not, yeah. but suppose it is. Mm-hmm. So what do we do about that? Really, what it, what it comes down to is, is those people not wanting to believe that they should do violence against others. Yeah, but what do you different. think we should do? What, what is the United States' response? And you're, uh, we, can, we can't kill everybody. We can't kill billions no, of people. Not. So what's the, what's the solution? It would take a whole lot longer than this radio show to talk about it. With love, all but things are possible. Love and miracle and right. angels. You know, yeah. so it's, it's, uh, it's all about understanding it and understanding it from a position of love. Just well, like suppose we understand it. I mean, we've understood what you're saying. What is the solution? I mean, do we, is the solution? Well, in that's like word, asking for the solution of yeah. like, how can we stop war in the world? How can so we have? Well, is there, an, is there right? a non-military <laughs> a solution? There are tons of non-military solutions that unfortunately are not, that none of them are being used right now. What do we draw mm. books? So, right? well, what about one? What about just telling us one before we get out of here? Just education. Right. Just education, well, of of everyone in this country to know, for example, well, so, but what, we what, all our, what our founders, yeah, okay. what they believe. Okay, we all know that pretty much. Okay. We get taught that in Do school. We? Don't we get taught that in school? No, the founding fathers. Well, what we just talked about why Christopher Columbus sailed west. Were they slave owners? So they couldn't. At the time that they founded the republic, they knew slavery was wrong. They knew it would correct itself. And eventually it did. We fought a civil war. I mean, our country bled to, to, uh, uh, to fight against that barbaric act of slavery. And so that's often one of the things that is used to dislocate the faith in our people against what our founders really intended is, oh, they're slaves. And so all I'm saying is, is uh, you know, at the end of the day, if we learn what those guys sacrificed so much to fight against tyranny— couple hundred years ago to form this nation what it was they were fighting for and we start to study what it is that others believe whatever the brand of the enemy it'll help us to understand the best way hopefully a lot of non-combat ways because believe me do i want to leave my children again absolutely not you know do i want to leave them to just go put a band-aid on something no Mm -hmm. i want my nation to kind of understand 
the value of what we have here, the freedom that we have right around this table to share beers. Like we can have a, an open dialogue and disagree and we can talk about eating meat and vegetables and we can talk about like pharmaceutical companies and we can talk about homeopathic medicine. Right. And none of us are going to yeah. hurt each other. And right. that's awesome because right. there's like love around this table mm. and there's an environment that helps that continue in our country. Right. That's not an accident. I think what we need to do is we need to learn where that came from. And sometimes we're going to be called to defend it. And that's what Moon's husband's done. That's what I'm doing when I, you know, when I'm called to do the wisdom to do it the right way is what I pray for personally every day. Mm-hmm. And if I had that right now, Grant, if I had that like God-like wisdom, I'd be able to answer your question. But I ask for it every single day. Mm. Is that a good point to end on? Mm-hmm. That was pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Should yeah. we leave it there? Let's leave it there. Let's meet back. We should continue this conversation. We've just really begun it now. We, we, could, just we, began need, a, it. we need another hour. <laughs> we do need another I hour. I feel like we well, need somebody well, can you from Can you like play the theme music and then we'll Algeria just keep going or something? Here, uh, or <laughs> we'll just make it to mo- next week's show. Yeah. Woman. <laughs> I know. Well, we need what? Sorry, mm-hmm. Sarah. What? Just some perspective on the situation from different sides. The only so countries I've been to in North Africa are Morocco. And, you know, I just had I a great to time. Morocco I didn't, I didn't, f- I'm a woman traveling alone. I didn't feel, I know it's one of the more liberated countries and they're. Yeah. Morocco is actually the first country to recognize the United States. Can you believe that? But yeah. then there's also stories <laughs> in other countries about like colonization and Algeria and the war in the seventies and all of that. And there's a lot of mixed feelings, but. Yeah. Well, I think too, like you I gave a really like religious spiritual answer and I didn't really want to bring this up, but aside from the fact of like just maybe our government being a little fucked, industrial fucked up and just wanting like oil and gas money like there's all of that stuff yeah. too like the yeah, bankers that are funding wars like funding both sides of it yeah. I think extraterrestrials and are running the United <laughs> States since World War II I'm just throwing that out there I don't yeah. know if I actually I think you. that but it could be true nah. Moon's got a good point Yeah. yeah imagine imagine if we turn back to like to just it's, it's greed and it's pride yeah. and it's ego. Exactly. And that's, it's all evil. It's simply it's all like evil. fear. Yeah. yeah. I'm not really no not luck. a cynic, but I mean, how many countries do we have bases in? Everyone. You know? yeah. Well, and There's we're not the only like, country in Why are we in, in Japan still and why are we in Germany? That's, that's, that's some questions I would like to yeah. we're in like, be answered. You know? a, lot of, a lot of countries. And we're not the only countries in Egypt and Afghanistan. There's... New Zealanders and Australians. We may have to do another radio show. Well, geopolitics is not that complicated. I mean, it's just about power. We, yeah. We want to influence. We want to be everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And um, it's, uh, look, it's, it's not an easy nut to crack. It's like, you know, you want influence and you want uh, prosperity and you want these things. You want to, you know, drive your car with whatever cheap gas you got. I mean, America, there's so much. And it all what it boils down to is what Moon said, greed. If, uh, if there were a way that, you know, that humans, that Americans didn't have that greed, and we want to just look at the entire playing field without it, it'd probably change how we see the world, right? So, hmm, maybe we need to do another radio show. I don't know, Grant, but I appreciate this opportunity. Well, that's been really interesting. <laughs> Sixty minutes. I think we all want the same things. I think probably yeah, I think everybody right. in the world yeah. wants the same thing. Nobody, I think we all nobody have the wants same to be, you know, it's not like the enemies yeah. out there. You know, Gandhi says, "Be the change you want to see in the world." Mm-hmm. What are the, what's the other side thinking, Tommy? Which are one? they thinking the same thing? The people who we're fighting against. Which one? Since, since would it be like uh, would it be Putin and and Russia or would it be uh, Chinese? I mean, there's we've got plenty of enemies. <laughs> we God, we sure we really do. 
I, I do think do. there are evil people out there, unfortunately. Like, yeah. there, I, there are men who really... David Vitter? <laughs> I don't, want, I don't know him personally. I went to high school with his son. You did? <laughs> yeah, okay. and he's great. His son's a great guy. So the David Vitter's not evil, really, then? I don't know. I'm, for some he's reason, he keeps sending me it. emails, and I keep trying to unsubscribe, but they keep me on their email list. It's really awful. You're on the David Vitter? Well, now this is what I don't know how they got my email. Hmm. It's like change.org and then David Vitter. It's really weird. Change.org? Yeah. <laughs> I'm on all these political I, I email per- lists. I personally uh, believe that there's nothing wrong with putting a diaper on and have, paying somebody for sex and having them change that diaper for you. <laughs> Just as long as you're not in, you know. <laughs> not a s- U.S. senator. Exactly. I have nothing yeah. against it either. Yeah. And, my not t- and not tell me not that you can't you know, do it. Exactly. That's what I say. I you don't know, know what you're talking about. Hypocrisy. <laughs> It's I don't have a TV, <laughs> but as long as you're not hurting anybody, right? Exactly. He just wanted his diaper changed. I think if you're going to do that and you're prepared to say that should be legal for everybody, then I'm voting for you. Yeah, sure. But if you're going to tell me I'm not allowed to do it, but yeah. you're allowed to, and you're going to be a U.S. senator or the governor of Louisiana, I don't think so. That's what I call bad. That's, yeah. So we'll see. By the time, uh, when is the election, by the way? Any day now? Early voting is this I week. I do not know. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's either. this week. It's some, I think it's, I think it's, uh, it's pretty soon. The, Twenty second, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Hey, listen, we're out of here, everybody. We've got to go. We'll end that on was, that one. Thank you. That was happy. <laughs> I was looking for a high point to end on. I guess that was it. Uh-huh. Spe- thank you very much. To you can find links to all these people on our website at newwomans.com. To Moon, to Tommy Waller, to Philippe Biedo. Uh, did I pronounce that correctly? Yes, you did. From Fofolay to Sarah Quintana. And Andrew Duhon, of course, as well. The producer of our show is Graham DuPonte. Our associate producer and technical director is Chris Kehoe. Christian Unruh is our music director, and our theme music was written by and is currently being played by Mitch Foreman. If you'd like to be on our show, you can drop us a line. Our address is on our website, where you can also check out many other happy hours, as well as some other shows we make here. Out to lunch with Peter Ashuti, live from Commander's Palace. True to the game with Chris True. Midnight Menu Plus One with Margot Moss and the man who ate New Orleans. Ray Canada, Louisiana Eats with Poppy Tooker. Milo's Music Parlor with Kim Vu and the revolutionary new way to buy a house in New Orleans, Unlisted NOLA. You can keep up with us on Facebook and on Twitter and a bunch of other time-sucking social media as well. And all of it we called It's New Orleans. You can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Facebook and Google Plus pages. I can't even get Google Plus to open anymore. Have you tried that? I don't know what they did to fuck up Google, but... Maybe it's just your computer. <laughs> it might be me. The photos this week are taken by Catherine King. If you're listening to this show on iTunes or Stitcher or some other podcast app, thanks for subscribing. Take one moment, if you can, to rate and review us. It only takes you a second, and that does help other people find us. Our show is recorded live today at Wayfair on Ferret Street, where they put fine dining into a sandwich, fine booze into a glass, and have a fabulous lunch and brunch here every day of the weekend, which is only two days, so both days, technically. Happy Hours of Production Lido Broadcasting for itsneworms.com. For Andrew Duhon, for everyone who helps around the table here at Wayfair and back at our office at INO, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Grant Morris. We'll see you back here next week on Happy Hour.